sensation and sounds built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. At the beginning of a new year, many of us are preoccupied with quote unquote manifesting making dreamy vision boards, or plotting big plans for how we hope the year and beyond will unravel. And while I myself am a sucker for a good mood board and for setting intentions throughout the year, I was interested in learning how we could bring ourselves back to earth, how to stop looking for inspiration, chasing lofty goals, and instead find fulfillment from putting our desires into action. I'm senior producer Taylor Camille and host of this episode where we discover the power in not planning the life you want, but in creating it instead. And speaker, writer, and author Terry Trespicio has a lot to say about it. My name is Terry Trespicio. I am a speaker, a writer, and author, newly minted, of Unfollow Your Passion, How to Create a Life That Matters to You. And what I do is I, I run my own shop as a brand advisor and writer, helping people take their ideas and articulate them so they can share them with the world. I love that. It's very important stuff, especially for me, an <laughs> overthinker. I could use some of that. You have this idea of you don't need to be inspired. You simply need to begin. What led you to that idea? And what does it mean to begin even in the absence of maybe inspiration? I have a little bit of a problem with the idea and the business of inspiration because if you think about how even just our culture works, the culture of attention, you know, what we're hungry for, we're usually looking around for stuff outside of ourselves to get us going. And we're looking for inspiration. We're looking for motivation. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But then we start to th- get dependent on thinking that the inspiration must come from outside of us. And then what happens is the more you devour inspiring content, the more you want inspiring content. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do anything with it. And one of the books that I read when I was writing my own looked at Jeff Hayden's book, The Motivation Myth. And motivation and inspiration are pretty, there's a thin line between them. We essentially use them interchangeably. And mm-hmm. he says that nothing can make you motivated. You know, a speech, this interview, anyway, like we can motivate someone for a moment, but the real motivation, he says, comes from your own progress and seeing your own progress. And so we can inspire people all day. Everyone can. We could watch 
TED Talks all day long, read books, and we should feed part of us with that. But if we think that that's going to make us do something, well, the fact is you can't make anyone do anything. Right. That's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's so true. And I, I think myself as a creative person, you know, I'll save aspirational images. And really all it does is make me feel shittier. Like, oh, it it really, okay. Because I was going to say, does it make you feel better or worse? No. We can ask that too. Yeah. Right. So it like, it kind of just makes me feel like I have so much further to go rather than really assessing like, where am I and what, what do I do next? Well, wait, um, let me ask you that then Taylor, because that's very interesting. And yet you are drawn to the inspirational images, mm-hmm. the very ones that might make you feel bad. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. fascinating, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's really messed up, honestly. And I will, I will say all through the holiday, I kind of like just stopped looking at stuff and started being like, where did I want, like, where did I leave off with this idea? Or like, what do I want to pick up instead of yes. like having constantly yes. being like, what is this other person doing? Oh my and God, we helps. can't live like that. We no, can't like that. <laughs> because you'll always be behind, right? Yeah. You look at someone else. The idea is you're always sort of looking at the back of them. They're always running ahead and we think we're slower or we're behind or we're not doing the right things. And I would just love to disabuse everyone of that idea because oh, for me anyway, and realize everyone has their own personal approach, right? Um, yeah. I find the thing that makes me motivated is when I focus on making something. So I just, like, all I'm one of the people that will stop a show in the middle of an episode and go, okay, why don't I come back to that? Because I just want to do this thing. And I'll focus on a thing I want to make. Maybe I'm editing a video or I'm writing a post or something. I want to do those things. I don't do them because mm-hmm. I should. I find that once I get lost in the making of a thing, that's when my motivation, that's when my focus happens. But how rare is it? that we give ourselves time to actually focus. Why? Because we're picking up the phone. We're flipping through. It's easy to get that quick hit, quick hit. When the real satisfying rise of motivation comes from what you're saying, when you allow yourself to actually go deeper into a moment. Say there's something you want to do or you say you want to do, and you're like, I need to start doing this thing. It's always worth asking yourself, do I really want to do this? Do I want to be doing it? Do I want to say I did it? And who, this is a loaded one, who do I think I might be letting down if I don't? Mm. And because it might be, well, someone else thought I should do this, or I think I don't want to let that person down. I know that that has governed a lot of my actions. I don't want to let anyone down. But if you find yourself hitting that wall, you have to say, do I really want to do this? And if I do, and yet I can't get myself to do it, why? Because it's usually some kind of fear or self-doubt or something that's in the way of that, not the thing itself. Let's say a writer, someone who loves to write. She wants to write a book. She can't get herself to sit down and write a thing. Why? Because in her mind, she may have blown up this idea of the book as this has to be the biggest, best thing ever, has to be a perfect thing. And such a big dream that she cannot bring herself to put a pen to the page because the minute she does, if she does a bad job, in her eyes, she might stop and then the dream won't happen. We've grown them too big, bigger than ourselves so that we don't even have the courage to begin. And if we don't, then it will never happen. The courage to begin struck a chord because it is hard. In the past, I personally have found it much easier and much more fun to collage aspirational pictures of what I want than to set aside the time to do what I'm supposed to do and think about what it might take to reach some of my larger goals. I might have been painting too elaborate of a picture, glossing over the process, and then finding it hard to get back to the doing. Terry had this to share on how to get going and what we should actually procrastinate. 
even when I was working on this book, I didn't know if it was a book. I didn't know what the book was. I had no idea if anyone would want it. I didn't worry about that. I just mm-hmm. wrote. I wrote what felt good for me to write about. And then I said, I'll figure it out later. You know, we're good at procrastinating things we should do. Let's procrastinate criticism and worrying and wonder. Let's procrastinate that stuff and just focus on the making. I find that when we allow the intuition, the creativity to lead us, it gets us further. Yeah, for sure. And I, but I also selfishly, I mean, you wrote a book, you're starting off the new year. How do you begin a new year and get going in a way that's oh, not? God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really one that marks by holiday too much. Yeah, we're in a new year right now, but there's no reason you can't start something new in June or September. So don't make, I would say, don't make this time of year more loaded. Like if you mess up now, your whole year is screwed. It's just not true. I treat January like I treat any other time, but since it's a real hunker down month, Taylor, like I'm basically staying home. Okay, so a big part of your book, Unfollow Your Passion, is about, challenging us to think outside of plans, uh, outside of bucket lists, for instance. I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, words that I guess you'd like to replace or words that like don't serve us, if you will. Bucket list is tricky. Here's why. It seems like a holding list for things we might never actually do, but feel we're supposed to want to do. Is that cynical to say? I don't know. But like, you know, I'm all for the people who put things on their list and they go and do those things. You want to go jump off a bridge with a rope tied around your ankle? Like, that's your prerogative. You can go do that. My concern, (laughs) again, comes back to if you only do big things once, then you only know what it's like to do a big thing once. Mm -hmm. And you don't know what it's like to get better at a thing. And you don't give yourself a chance to get better. So I just want to take down off the pedestal some of these ideas that we think are going to make our lives so amazing. Because what if they don't? What else you're doing? And if it's something you really want to do, why is it on a bucket list and not on your calendar? Mm-hmm. The other word to be wary of, I think, is expectation. And I was on a call last night. I run this old book club since the book came out. And one gentleman said this, and he nailed it. He said, expectations are a waste of time to like worry about. They are so heavy on us. Because when you meet an expectation, no one cares. <laughs> if you meet an expectation, everyone's like, okay, cool, box check, we're satisfied. Why do we struggle with expectations when to meet them isn't mind-blowing and isn't impressive? Yeah. If our intention is to exceed expectations, to go beyond, make sure they are the expectations you want to exceed. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm like, everyone expects me to be this way, do they really, or are we giving ourselves a hard time? Here's a goal for someone to take, a resolution. How many expectations can you ignore this year? Flout. Just not do them. Because I don't know that the weight of expectations helps us do anything better. It just introduces struggle. What happens if you don't meet an expectation? What happens if you have to ask for an extension for a deadline or something? I think that, for women in particular, the fear of not meeting an expectation is, is a deep fear. And it's like, I would rather be afraid of something else, like a plane I'm in falling out of the sky or ending up, you know, broken on the street. Like there's a lot of things to be afraid of. I think we can put expectations on the back burner. Yeah. Yeah. Know that you're going to disappoint some people. That's it. Yeah. Know that when you want to do, it's okay. And here's what I'll say is when you do what you know is right for you, know that you will disappoint and who the F cares. So what? 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. So we are ridding ourselves of bucket lists, of meeting expectations, and sure, we might disappoint some people along the way, but we're prioritizing ourselves and our needs, leaning into the fact that things take time and don't always go according to plan. There is a chapter in the book called Abandon Your Plans. We all know what it's like to have plans in the COVID era, <laughs> which means you make plans and then you quickly break those plans. You know how many events have been canceled? You know how many things? Everything, everything. If anything, the kids growing up inside of this are learning to distrust plans. And I wonder if that has a good part to it, like a silver lining, which is no one plan is a guarantee ever, mm-hmm. but your ability to plan so you got your plans cancel. Okay, you're going to have to make a new plan. If you're all hooked on one plan and this better work and it doesn't and you're attached to that plan, you might be so devastated that you then can't do something else. And I'd rather be able to plan than have any one plan work. That's the key. So yeah, yeah make plans, but realize that you might have to make them again. Yeah, plans change. And then what's really the meaning behind that statement, unfollow your passion? The meaning behind the statement or the title of unfollow your passion is not that you should avoid passion or not follow it. If you're already following your passion happily, great. No one's going to tell you not to do that. The, the title of the book and what I mean by that is to challenge the idea that there's one passion per person and that you're supposed to find it, do it, and make your whole living on it forever and ever. That is how some people live, but not most there's not just one passion per person. There's also not one career per person. There's not one relationship per person. I wanted people to challenge the ideas that you are limited in what you can do or imagine yourself doing. That is the spirit, is to take these things we've been told and kick them over one at a time so that you can feel more in charge of your own life, really. Yeah. Thinking back when you were talking about really finding your flow and and writing your own book, maybe you started with a paragraph, you kept going with some pages. How do we or how do you get to that place where you tune everything out? And maybe what also have you witnessed from your clients? Like what environment tends to be, and I know it's obviously different person to person, but like maybe some themes of the environments necessary to really help us access ourselves. Well, yes. Different people like to work in different environments. That's right. Some people like a busy coffee shop. Some people want to have no sound whatsoever. But in fact, there is one kind of environment that can help people of all different personalities and backgrounds access their creativity. And it is an environment in which they know they will not be criticized or questioned. Now, that's not the world we live in. You can't post a tweet without someone making a snarky 
comment, right? But what I do is I, I lead workshops and groups in a particular method that I write about in the book that I did not invent. I learned it from someone else named Suzanne Kingsbury, who taught it to me, then certified me and many others as instructors of it. It's called the gateless method. And in that environment, there is no criticism at all. So what we do is we do use writing. You don't have to be a writer at all. I have lots of people in these groups who are not writers, but we want to use the page to clarify our thinking and learn to trust our voice. And so what we do is I get them into a place of, you know, centeredness. I give a prompt that you can write to or ignore. And then we write for like 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes. That's it. You only have that much time. So there's no time to question. That's mm-hmm. how we get around the critic. We don't even, ah, oh, just hurry up, just write, write, write. Don't even think about it. Just get your fingers on the page and go. And then when we're done, we've just blah, 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 a bunch of stuff. Then we go around and read our stuff out loud. Unedited, raw, and that sounds scary, <laughs> but it's not because what we do is we listen to you. So if Taylor, if you wrote something, we'd say, okay, Taylor, you read. You would read what's on the page. And one by one, we'd tell you, what is working and what we loved about it and what ideas it gave us. It's not a flattery contest. It's about Mm -hmm. showing you what's working in this fresh, raw thing. It's a way to be heard and it calms your nervous system so that you aren't thinking you're about to be made fun of. Never. Not on defense. We only talk about what's working over and over and over again. It changes and up-levels the tenor and mood of a room and allows people to then, then they want to do it again and again. And it was because of that method that I was able to write this book because I felt freer. And I asked the right people to listen to the work. I don't ask people who have dopey ideas. I don't want someone to tell me where to put periods. I'll do that later. So whether you're in a gateless environment or you're not, be very careful about who you show your early ideas and work to. I don't show it to anyone who isn't in my community because I don't want to hear go someone going, yeah, but that'll never work. Da, 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 da. I don't want to hear that. It's not the place to think about that when you're just starting. So the key is to be in an environment where you're not having your amygdala hijacked by fear. And when you do that, the door to your intuition opens big. It was like a breath of fresh air to hear that. It made so much sense to me to be in a place where you can put yourself at ease and tap into what's already there. I no doubt am my own worst critic, and so I was motivated by the idea that if I just put my blinders up for a condensed period of time and postponed the thoughts of the inner critic, I can at least make some progress rather than running in place. I wonder where the fulfillment piece of this comes in. What sense of fulfillment can we find in unfollowing our passions? The fulfillment comes from realizing that you don't need one thing in order to fulfill you. Because if you think that, you'll chase around your purpose like an Easter egg, hoping it turns up somewhere and thinking if you don't find it, you lost the game of life. So I want nothing more than people to experience meaningful, fulfilling lives, but that doesn't always come with a plan and a major and a resume and a perfect thing. It comes from looking at what's around you and seeing the opportunities in a new way. You know, people will say, find your perfect passion. Okay, let me make my perfect passion like a little key. Now I've crafted my perfect key. Now let me go find any lock it might open. Good luck. I'd rather look at all the locks available to me and pour myself into the shape I need to be to access that door. So I don't think you should be miserable and not passionate. I think you'd be surprised at all the places where passion can find you. Yeah, 
That's great. Okay, the last thing I really wanted to ask you is how are you planning on <laughs> planning? <laughs> how are you renewing yeah. how are you renewing yourself this year or finding renewal? How I'm going to renew myself this year? My friend says, you know, you can't do everything. You must pick one thing to focus on for a while rather than try to do all the things because that just doesn't make any sense. My goal since now, okay, this book is done. It's behind me. I want to to grow a community. If I say I want to write a new book and grow a community and do this and try to, I can't do it all. But my focus now is I want to meet more people like, like you, Taylor, people who think the way you do. I want mm-hmm. to find those people. And I hope they find me. So my efforts in the new year are, how can I connect with more people in a way that matters? And so everything I do will funnel toward that. So that's in the professional world, right? But all thing I have done and I will continue to do in this new year is I nap when I need it. I am such an amazing napper. It's one of my most amazing skills. I can lay down for 20 minutes, 30 minutes and get up and feel completely renewed. And I think that it has changed my productivity because I don't feel like I have to muscle through a day. Mm-hmm. So, and I work from home. Yeah. So if I need to lie down, I lie down and my life is better for it. So that's that's one of my, my continued and wonderful resolutions <laughs> is to listen to my body. If it wants to sleep and it doesn't want wine, I listen to it. Yeah, that's all we can do. I will be allowing myself to be surprised by where passion can find me, remaining open to new opportunities, and starting something on my list of lists and mood boards, considering my inner critic only after something's on the page. On today's show, you heard me in conversation with Terry Trespicio. This episode was produced by Ella Dove, Kate Spees, and myself, Taylor Camille, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel, and our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.